Greetings, you're listening to Vital Views, podcast for UNLV School of Nursing. I'm Joe Gascioni, Communications Director for the School of Nursing. In 2021, UNLV Nursing launched its first ever accelerated second degree bachelor in nursing program, or second batch to keep it short. This is a special track for non-traditional students who had bachelors in other fields, but decided to become nurses. It takes an already intense workload and amplifies it as students on this track have a faster path to earning their bachelors in nursing. In spring 2022, the first cohort from this program graduated from UNLV. One of those graduates built an impressive body of work during her time here and is on the verge of taking her success to the next level. She's here with us today. Please help me welcome Acacia Herndon. Acacia currently works at Centennial Hills Hospital here in Las Vegas. During her time at UNLV, she was involved with the UNLV Student Nurses Association, a nurse apprenticeship, and some high-profile maternal health research that gained her recognition at a national level. And one of her biggest projects right now is putting together what may be the first Nevada chapter of the Dreamcatchers Foundation. This is a nationally known nonprofit that will help hospice patients fulfill their end-of-life dreams, similar to a Make-A-Wish mission. Acacia, thanks for stopping in. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. What attracted you to the Dreamcatchers Foundation? Let's start with that. Sure. Um, so it combines two of the passions that I'm coming to realize that I have. Um, first is the importance of intergenerational connection, and the second being uh, hospice care. So elders often um, have the wisdom that younger people need um, as they're growing up, and it provides them a role that is very fulfilling. And on the other hand, the generational segregation that is so common in our society today separates young people from experiencing what aging looks like and seeing the value in it. Um, So I like to be busy and volunteer, so I thought it was a perfect combination of those two passions and a, a good challenge. When it comes to starting your own chapter, what goes into that behind the scenes? Yeah, so at first I had to apply to the um, National Foundation, and they met with me, kind of learned about what I wanted to do and why I wanted to start a chapter. Um, So I talked with the president, and she told me kind of how you get started, and you have to find a hospice partner in the area that is willing to work with you and to start the chapter. Um, You also need to find members and figure out a way that you want to fundraise in order to make these dreams come true. So that also has to, you know, go with some advertising and connecting with people in the community. You feel like you're expanding your skill set into areas that you previously didn't know about? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So it's definitely a stretch, but I thought it was a good stretch that wasn't too much, but also would produce a lot of growth. So where are you at now? Are you allowed to talk about where you're at in the process? Sure. Yeah. So I am currently trying to build a membership base. I would like to apply for uh, some sort of grant in order to be our funding. And I'm working with uh, Nathan Adelson Hospice as um, most likely our first partner. And I'm working to just become a general volunteer with them so that I can learn about how they work and um, then be able to explain more to potential members. The heart of Dreamcatchers Foundation to to fulfill these end-of-life dreams, when we talk about end-of-life, we talk about hospice care, it can make people uncomfortable You mentioned aging before. It goes hand in hand, even though, uh, you know, spoiler alert, it's all going to happen to us. We're going to get older and we're all going to eventually die. It's not a a morbid thing if you don't make it morbid. 
But that's how people feel sometimes is when you talk about morbidity and you talk about, uh, especially in healthcare as a nurse, you know, talking to, to families and loved ones and having those difficult conversations. How do you, to kind of step away from the, the nonprofit side of it, how do you navigate those conversations with people? Yeah, I think it's definitely a skill that you have to learn. It doesn't come natural to anybody. As a nurse, it's not necessarily within my scope to be able to have those conversations with people. Um, but in, in the future, I would like to expand more into palliative care. And I have been learning more about it. And there's a lot of resources, thankfully, out there. And they provide templates that you can use to structure these conversations so you're not leaving out anything that is important that you don't want to miss. And also gives you the words to speak about the topic in a way that is respectful and sensitive to the topic. Um, I actually have a, an example here from one of those templates, if you'd like to hear it. Sure. Um, so one way I might choose to start is I'd like to talk to you about what is ahead with your illness and do some thinking in advance about what is important to you so that I can make sure we provide you with the care you want. Is that okay? So that acknowledges that you know it's a possibly difficult topic and asks for permission in, in case the person doesn't want to talk about it. These missions that, uh, these dreams I should say, that uh, Dreamcatchers Foundation provides. We mentioned before, similar to Make-A-Wish, is that an accurate comparison to say like, okay, these the the patient wants to go skydiving, for example. Are there are there any limits to what you can do? Right. So there's there's practical limits and that sometimes the downside of the way hospice is structured right now is that a lot of patients don't start hospice services until they're very late into their illness process, which limits the uh, equipment that they might need when they are outside of a facility and um, can limit the amount of energy or physical abilities that they're able to um, experience. So it is definitely an accurate comparison um, because like, you know, with Make-A-Wish, the children also have physical um, illnesses that limit them in what they could do. But um, that's part of the kind of the fun and you know creativity is that we get to work with the patients themselves and to figure out you know maybe if they you know want to go skydiving maybe we can you know set up a simulation for them instead that can give them that kind of feeling. Absolutely. One final note on on end of life we've heard of birth doulas but there are end of life doulas as well and that is a position that is not taken lightly. And even though it is a sad part of life, sad uh, moment in someone's life, to me, it felt like end of life doulas are there to celebrate the life, to, to um, record it, so to speak. Does that, does that sound like an accurate description of it? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a, I think it's an amazing profession and one that often isn't known about or recognized very much. And yeah, they are really there to focus on the patient and the family, their needs, recognizing the emotions that they're going through and helping them to kind of just process what's happening um, and offer different resources and support someone to talk to, someone that has experience with the process. Your time at UNLV was uh, quite busy to say the least, uh, full of success as we mentioned before. Talking about the second batch program, what was your original bachelor's and what made you make the switch into nursing? Yeah, so I originally went to UCLA for a degree in physiology, and I also minored in applied developmental psychology. Um, so I was actually interested in working with kids at first and going into medical school. 
And um, I ended up uh, marrying my husband, who is in medical school right now. I saw how the process worked. Um, my mom is a nurse. My godfather's a nurse. And I did some volunteering in the hospital. And I was just able to see the differences in what modern physician work and nursing work looks like. And I just realized that nursing more aligns with um, what I'm interested in doing you know, on a day-to-day basis. In previous episodes, we've talked about nurse apprenticeships. How do you feel the apprenticeship benefited your education? Do you feel like it enhanced it? Was it was there overlap? Was it redundant? No, I thought it was great. I think that the more hands-on experience someone can get in clinical fields is better um, because it is so different learning about something in the classroom versus the um, field. So it definitely enhanced my skills and made me much more comfortable going into uh, my career afterwards. And talking about your car- uh, career job security, because you're still working at the place that you ap- apprenticed at, correct? Yep. Yeah, no, I'm very happy there. I actually live in Henderson, so I drive across town to Centennial, uh, mainly because I love the leadership there. I feel like they care about their employees and they really listen to them and want to make things better. So I you know, knew the people on the floor and I just felt comfortable saying I didn't see any reason to try and find something better. That yeah, makes sense. Yeah. We also mentioned before your work as a researcher, uh, maternal health, specifically midwifery. Can you talk about what you had researched? Um, you worked with one of our faculty, Dr. Jennifer Vanderlaan. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so that was an amazing experience. I you know, got so much out of it that I wasn't expecting because um, Dr. Vanderland was very welcoming and open to helping me through the process. And I ended up wanting to work with her because she is working on health policy. So our project looked at the differences in health policies across different states because it affects midwives in different ways. Um, midwives are advanced Um, practice nurses. Um, So they can sometimes practice independently. Sometimes they can't. Sometimes there's other restrictions on them, such as they have to have a contract with a physician. They can't admit their patients independently into a hospital, which all affects access to uh, their services. So that's what we were looking at, seeing how those differences affected people's access in those states. And you took that research to a national level. Uh, I believe Academy Health was the uh, organization this summer. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was an amazing experience. I think that it's something that is really instrumental in kind of any student's uh, career is being able to be around a bunch of other you know, academics and people who are interested in what you are passionate about, learning from them and being able to kind of see yourself in, in a role. Undergrads typically don't have that much time to do research, uh, let alone the opportunities. And for understandable reasons, you're, you're getting your feet wet when it comes to nursing. There are so many things you don't know. But do you feel like you were able to shift your activities around in order to, uh, to get this done? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, I'm extremely, you know, fortunate in a lot of ways and had a lot of privileges that allowed me to be able to do so many different activities while I was in school. I think one of my uh, strengths is time management, but like I said, I wouldn't be able to have any of these opportunities without the privileges I've grown up with. 
And I want to ask you on the subject of time management, students, especially undergrads, trying to figure out what their schedules are going to be like, trying to plan out their classes, their clinicals, maybe even pencil in how to have fun. What would be your advice to them, like the best strategy, since you you obviously excel in it, time Mm -hmm. management, how would you, how do you stay organized? I personally put every single thing into a Google Calendar. So, you know, I can access it on my phone anywhere, and that keeps me on track. I also will uh, set alarms because even though the phone will tell you when an event is coming up, it's often not enough of a alert to actually catch my attention if I'm about to miss something. Um, one of the great things about the program is that you don't have as Uh, much stress around choosing classes because it's a set program. So you don't have that part of it that is stressful. But something I learned throughout the process is, you know, not to rush. You know, things will turn out the way they turn out as long as you do your best and you ask questions and you seek understanding rather than memorization. I learned that it was important to create time for friends because without having that time you are you know unbalanced with your mental health and you're not optimally um, healthy in order to study and provide care to patients well you just get buried in work and if you're not we've i'm sure i've said this a bunch of times on this show if you're not good with yourself if you're not taking care of yourself you can't take care of others yes i mean it's a cliche phrase but it's absolutely true yeah absolutely and it's not just about the activities and kind of self-care type things that people generally talk about. But it also is kind of just small things. And um, for me, I realized throughout this past year that I can't fix everything. So that's a big thing in nursing is that you have a lot of responsibility and you will never have enough time to do the things you want to do for your patients, exactly how you want to do it. So I realized that if I just focus on, you know, realizing at the end of the day that, you know, I was happy that I helped someone brush their teeth, you know, and that is a good enough success for me for today. As we're wrapping up, I do want to go back to Dreamcatchers Foundation. Where can people learn more about the foundation? And are there things that people can do to help you and your cause? Yes, absolutely. So uh, if you'd love to become a member, I would love to hear from you. The nursing school recently sent out my flyer with my contact information on it. And um, possibly, Joe, you can put my information at the footnotes of the podcast. Absolutely. So um, please reach out to me. Um, Besides from becoming a member, uh, you can also donate experiences. Uh, For example, if you have extra tickets to a Raiders game or, you know, a Golden Knights game or, you know, anything like that, that, you know, is probably pretty uh, common in this city, that would be something amazing that we can offer to the patients. And the website, just to confirm, dreamcatchersfoundation.org. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, perfect. And yes, we will have all that information on the episode page when this drops. Cassia, that's all the time we have. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you so much. It was great. Thanks for listening out there. Hope you all have a great day.